Hello, hello, OdaFest listeners. This is Season 7, Episode 30. Is it actually Episode 30? I think it's Episode 29. <laughs> I believe that it is Episode 29. We can count. Of the OdaFest podcast. We promise. Sure. I hope. I hope that every single one of you, every single one of you listening has your OdaFest passes now. That every single one of you is sewing the last buttons on your cosplay. That every single one of you has painted your props. OdaFest is soon. Soon. Only what? One and a half months away? I think that's about what it is. It's been two years since the last time we were able to see people in person. I am so excited. Yep. So excited. It will be good. So, as as I said, I'm Angelo, and with me today are Nancy and Jay. Hello. But you probably knew that already. And for that, I thank you. Maybe they didn't. I thank you. Who knows? Could be, could be, ah, ah, so, 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 lately, lately I've been uh, on my stream, every now and then, I like to do a little bit of a video game development, game dev, colloquially known, and uh, it's just a hobby that I've had for a really, really, really long time. Lately I've been making a, a clone of Peggle. Uh, do you guys remember Peggle? Peggle's I been, loved uh, Peggle. It came in the orange box. It was like the first. It didn't come set in the of... orange box. Wait, yeah, it what? Did. It was orange box themed. What? So, it, Peggle Pe- Deluxe, Peggle... I think it was called, or Peggle Two Deluxe, something of that nature. It came out around 2008, about a year after the orange box came out, and TF2 was a cultural phenomenon for PC gamers. Yes, and it was exceptionally uh, notable for being something that looked like a, a, a mobile game or looking like the uh, Windows XP pinball game. Yes. But having TF2 themed maps. I think you're right. I think it was a Peggle demo that came in the orange box. I was like, I'm pretty sure it did not come in that because I, I would have noticed even though I just played, you know, so much TF2. That is, I mean, my memory is not flawless, but that is absolutely what I remember. I remember it coming as part of the orange box for me, or at least being very strongly tied to the experience. Anyway, go on. So, I've I've started uh, I started making one, and so far all I have is is just you can shoot a ball and it bounces against other balls and they disappear. And already I'm like having fun with it. It's just the 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 mechanic of Peggle is is so so simple and so refined that over the course of a day i was able to capture that magic for myself and that's how when you're making a a a small video game and you yourself are having fun playtesting it that's how you know you want it you want to keep going with it that's how you know when to keep going with it and uh that made me start thinking how similar or how different can a game be from its quote-unquote inspiration, if you will, uh, while being something unique. Is it 
Obviously, I'm shameless in calling this game that I'm making a Peggle clone. I'm not going to be selling it for money. I'm just going to be putting it online, having fun with it, and uh, seeing what happens. Mm-hmm. But in the past, in the past, there have been situations where game clones have been so, so shameless, so prolific that it has almost completely destroyed genres of games. Has it? For me, for me, mm-hmm. the one thing, the one thing, the the one genre that I would be thinking about would be kart racing games. These days, you basically just have your Mario Kart. And we've had Mario Kart 8 Deluxe for, for well, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the recent DLC, I think. Mm-hmm. But Mario Kart 8 has existed for, what, four or five years now? Mm-hmm. Something like that? Something like that. And Nintendo basically... Basically, all but confirmed. There is no Mario Kart Nine in de- currently in development uh, over the last week or two, so Mario Kart Eight is going to be getting a whole lot of polishing over the next couple years. Uh, but if you go back, if you go back to like the N sixty four, the PS one, back when you had Mario Kart sixty four, Mario Kart sixty four was the logical progression up from Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo. And Mario Kart on the Super Nintendo was great. You had a couple racing games back then, like F-Zero, but nothing particularly huge, nothing particularly groundbreaking. Mario Kart 64 was a phenomenon, if you will, and it launched uh, a ton of of shameless shameless ripoffs, shameless clones, shameless imitators... For example, you had you had the South Park kart racing game. Uh, there was Diddy Kong Racing, which is actually, it, it deserved to be its own kart game. Diddy Kong Racing is probably one of the best kart games out there, even to this day. it's I would probably consider it better than the current Mario Kart. Uh, you had, you had like the Crash Team Racing, the Crash Mario Kart mm-hmm. game. There, there were so many of them. Diddy Kong uh, Racing, baby. Diddy Kong Racing was so Diddy good. Kong. And I remember a little while ago, there was almost a push to try to revive, revive the the genre in the form of Garfield kart racing no back way. in 2013. It dropped on its own. Everyone was like, what? A Garfield kart racing game? I haven't played one of these since every company learned that nobody wanted to buy kart racing games back in 2005. (gasps) Let me get it right now. And then it was just another kart racing game, and it was very lackluster and not particularly interesting. Hmm. Shane. But that's, that's one of the things where it's like, okay, well, you have carts. Like, you're, you've got a car, it's got... Some kind of drive mechanism, like four wheels or something. In the case of Diddy Kong Racing, you also had hover cars and uh, airplanes. And and airplanes. Seriously, Diddy Kong Racing was the best one. Uh, everything except Diddy Kong Racing has been the shameless imitation since. But the clones, the shameless clones, low effort, low, uh, low effort, low budget, just. Low lovability clones basically killed the kart racing genre, and maybe the market for the kart racing genre wasn't particularly huge to begin with. Maybe it didn't deserve that many games, 
but maybe it did. Recognize maybe if the games were better, way. they could have been better. They could have been a, a thriving genre to this day. Maybe instead yes of and no. or as like, as along with the Forzas and the Need for Speeds, we could be playing Diddy Kong no. Racing Seven. There's no, no, Flappy Bird. It, it, you're you're totally wrong on one aspect, which is just marketability. Like you can't just throw random characters in. You have to have a really strong basis because the gameplay itself is so basic. The genre itself is not exactly iconic. It's a racing game. Um so it really comes down to the relatability of the audience with like the characters. And in Nintendo's case, they have a roster that actually works. Whereas all these sort of um, imitations or uh, uh, like anyone with a weaker roster, essentially, which is just about everybody, have to rely, weirdly enough, almost on gameplay as opposed to like having people play as their favorite characters. Um, that you can kind of see with Smash Bros where there are other sort of free-for-all type fighters and uh, they have rosters from like Square Enix, for example, or Shonen Jump had one as well. And while those characters are sort of relatable, they're just not as iconic, unfortunately. I think it plays a big part in them because I've played those games. And so Flappy Bird is is an example of one that just is easily clonable and you just replace the graphics. Yeah, exactly. but none of those are particularly successful either. I mean... So what we're looking at and seeing is that, well, a lot of video games, they're literally the exact same game. Sometimes literally the exact same game with just like a different uh, aesthetic to it. That's why Angela was like, I can visual do this. Visual view. <laughs> Honestly, yes. Yeah, that's exactly why. Uh, Peggle is a simple enough game where it's literally okay. I can bounce a ball off of another going, ball. Going back, I to, can make Peggle. Going back to Peggle real quick, I did look it up. So, Peggle Extreme was what was bundled with Orange Box, which was I. I feel like I vaguely remember this, but I definitely never played it um, the way that Nancy remembers it. And I w it was a short version of the game. It wasn't like the full thing. So yes. you got like the first set of, I don't know, like 10 levels or something just to give you a taste. But it and is then it stops. styled differently than other Peggles, uh, like graphically styled a little bit differently. It's available on Steam still. And it's free. Nice. And nice. it's 22 megabytes. So <laughs> God damn. I oh, may nice. have already installed it during the course of this this recording. conversation. Yes, because nice. I was just like, whatever, I don't care. It's just part of the thing. I was like, I paid for Orange Box. I paid for it full price back in the day. I'll damn well play it. I'll play all anyway, the bits of content. It so, was just a good, good, solid, fun game. I mm -hmm. wanted more. Do you think that? Uh, do you think that just a visual style is enough to justify? like a game's existence like if we have if we had solitaire but but odafest podcast edition would that does would that have the right to exist i'm trying i'm struggling to think of how we would possibly theme solitaire around us i mean i have i have ideas already i mean we could just have uh, uh jay to be the king cards 
or oh. the Joker cards. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> yeah, the J would work out. Yeah. Alfred as the ace, for those of you who remember Alfred. What about back you? When he was on the podcast. Oh, oh, who? Hmm. Hmm. Uh, Angelo for the ace. I guess, I guess I, uh, Alfred could be the uh, two of the ace cards. I could be the other two. Ooh. That would work. And, and Seth would be on the back of the cards. Yep. We could, in fact, we could make it so that there'd be different card backings that you can unlock by... Uh, Look, it's by, nice that y'all... Well, I guess it's a game. We could, pl- we by could, winning we could the program game. the game. It wouldn't be too difficult, honestly. Solitaire rules Somebody are pretty does pixel straightforward. Art, so. And I'm someone's sure a programmer. Somebody. Mm. Yeah. So... I just exist. I'm not saying that there's ever going to be an Odafest podcast themed uh, uh, deck of cards, solitaire game, game. deck of cards game. <laughs> but legitimate question: Would it ha- would that have the right to exist? Would it, who who would really want that? Who would need that in their lives? But at the same time, we've seen massively successful franchises basically doing the exact same thing. Like I'm going to get a lot of flack for this because it's probably. It's. I'm probably really smoothing things over, but uh, FromSoft has effectively made one game, ever. Ever since they've made Demon Souls, they've basically just been making Demon Souls, but better. Like, so you got you got Dark Souls, which was basically Demon Souls but polished. Uh, Dark Souls Two, which is again just Dark Souls again. You got Bloodborne. Which was basically Dark Souls again, but in uh, Victorian Gothic London. Uh, you got Dark Souls 3, which was really like a lot of people just... It gave them that Dark Souls taste again, baby. Hell yeah, let's go. <laughs> and then you've got... You've got... Uh, you've got Elden Ring now, which everybody loves. Uh, compared to Dark Souls 3, for example, they added a jump. You can jump now. Hooray! And it's vaguely Tolkien-themed. Like, other than that, it's very much a very similar game. Nothing has really changed to the point where anyone who has loved and enjoyed Souls games before, they'll be dominating at Elden Ring. They'll just be running through it, destroying everything. They will be having a great time with it. And to be fair, like, Demon's Souls, despite its lack of polish, was a good game. So and so, FromSoft has just continue making the same the good thing. game over and over again. Just There's a huge new content. It's for kind of who liked a flawed it. argument because it's not like someone else is making this game. It's the same company making this game. That's like saying all the Mega Man games are the same. Capcom, what the hell's wrong with you? Why would you make the games in your franchise so similarly? And it might be because Except- it's their game and it's their franchise. <laughs> Except not, though. Because in the case of Mega Man, sure, there's the... Uh, uh, da, 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 da. Wow. There's the very platforming games. Yes. What? No, there's the platforming games for Mega Man. Yes. But there was also Mega Man Soccer. There oh. was also uh, RPGs. Like, you got Mega Man X Command Mission. It was a turn-based 3D RPG. You got... The 3D Mega Man games like Mega Man Legends and some of the Mega Man X games versus the 2D Mega Man games. You've got the isometric games like Mega Man X ba- uh, Mega Man Battle Network games. Like there, if you go, if you look at just the Mega Man games, the franchise is large enough that it has a lot of different gameplay in there. Capcom They're not is the one same of the game oldest over gaming over companies but in existence. They've had chances to branch out. If you look at 
specifically Mega Man 1 through 9. 10. They are basically 11, the exact the same games. Are, are they up to like 11 base Mega Man games now? Yes. So Mega Man 1 through 6 were all on the NES, and they were all basically the exact same graphical yes. style. I think like Mega Pokemon Man Mega Man 3 be. added a slide and maybe a charge shot. I think you're getting but, away uh, from your original argument here because if you're if you want to talk about franchise, that's not a fair comparison. There's no point. That's the whole point of the franchise. They're similar to each other. That's what makes them a franchise. Your original premise was copycat games. They're not a copycat if it's the same IP. All right. <laughs> so you know what? That's a, No, that's actually a really good argument. It's not an argument. Okay. It's a statement. So, so Flappy yeah. Bird clones were definitely dominating the Android, um, whatever, Play Store, like, years ago when Flappy Bird was huge. Before the original that, author took it down because he was like, yeah, this is horribly addicting. No, let's not do that. I I actually, I'm, I'm sad that they did take it down because I was having a really good time with it. And you know what? When it comes to things like Flappy Bird or more, more modernly, uh, Wordle. Oh, the clones, Wordle. The clones don't have that, that cultural zeitgeist you behind are, them, you know? You're wrong. There is one clone that is better than the rest. And it's the one. I'm, not, say, I'm not saying better or worse or anything of that nature right now. I'm just saying there's the cultural zeitgeist around them. Like, let's say, let's say, for example, back back when there was Flappy Bird, if you saw someone who got like 250 points on the original Flappy Bird, Uh that was a goddamn achievement. True. That was ridiculous. True. But if you saw that it wasn't actually Flappy Bird, that it was some clone, well, then it's like, wait a minute. The clone could be easier. It could be harder, too. But it could be easier. Who knows? Okay. The 250 points, it might have awarded you that. Just for completing the first obstacle, mm-hmm. uh, I like think so. In that sort of situation, like the clones aren't the same, and in in the case of like Wordle, uh, off the top of my head, there's there's some like Pi Myrtle where where it is the Genshin themed Wordle. Really, and Dio plays. I'm not yes. surprised. I'm not surprised that there is one. Dio plays it every day. She enjoys it. She's oh, really damn. she really loves it. Uh-huh. But at the same point, it. it's like so you can complete Wordle. And people would be like, oh, you completed today's Wordle, and you got it in that many tries. That's very good. But who cares no, if you completed think, the, the, the Genshin-themed Wordle? I think you're Wordle. confusing that with just the idea that people just latch on to the original idea, and they use it for everything. Uh, like in, in the case of like some of these games, like Wordle, there is the cultural like sharing aspect of it, too. Yes, that's true. Absolutely. Yeah, like but you can half, share, but that's a core. That's a core thing. Being like, like if for all the other I got clone it products, three guesses. Angelo, for all the other clone products, they do the same thing. They do the sharing to social media to show, you know, whether you succeeded on your, you know, Wordle clone attempt. It's part of the entire thing. I don't think there's. I think that actually changes ties anything. back to your argument about like uh, Smash Bros. and and. Uh, uh, people, no, Mario no, no. Kart I just want to. I just want to be clear. People, people don't get. You know, people aren't like, oh, I finished my Pyrotle or my Quirtle or some other. Like they use Wordle. It's just a colloquial term. No one really cares what version you're playing. They just, they barely even care that you play. I'll be honest. <laughs> I mean, some people really do. Some people. Some do. people were really some enjoying it. Care about. And a what lot I'm of saying is things. like, well, 
if one person really, really likes uh-huh. the original, the Wordle, are they really going to care if their friends are playing the the knockoff? The, uh, the knockoffs. They don't. The clones, no one cares. effectively. Oh, I Even don't know about that, Jay. Like, I feel like you're overly generalizing. There are a lot of people who most certainly care. I'm not one of them, but I'm not going to speak for them. Well, it's like if you spoil, if you spoil Wordle, there there may be blood spilled. You know, <laughs> that's but very no, true. I think we're approaching it from completely different aspects, where people just don't want to specify which Wordle clone they're playing. They're just saying, "I play a Wordle game." But that's the thing. It's like don't it's nobody... not about playing a Wordle game because every single Wordle game, the idea is that there's like one word a day. So it's like a community you can actually sort of get challenge. Around that. It's so people definitely well, don't just play one Wordle a day. Well, not just that, because when it's Wordle, when you are playing the Wordle, mm-hmm. it is the same word for the twenty four hours for everybody on the globe. That is the thing. There have been mm. versions of Wordle that come out for people who want to play it over and over so, and get multiple words every day. That's not the problem, but it it's because it, of it's that. It's just feature. manipulated off of your that local Wordle time, is a social though, game. And people know this, so like, you know, it's not 12 p.m. ET that it resets. It's 12. But p.m. that's local deviating time. away from no, the it's actual not your local time. It is local intent time. of it's playing 100% the game. Percent local time. You can Google it yourself. I've played it enough. That I can absolutely tell you, it's but local time. But that's besides the point of playing the game to the spirit of the game. If you're just going to no do it, no one ever for... has to play a game to the spirit of the game because it's an enjoyment thing. If someone wants to play it differently than you, that's fine because that's how they enjoy it. The spirit of the game is merely an argument to how everyone has to do it, as opposed to how you should be able to enjoy your media. Right, but the the rules of how to play it to the spirit of the game is what makes it like Angelo was saying, it's for it's the same word for everyone to try and guess within that twenty four hour limit. Like that is the social aspect to it. It's like it's like watching a movie. Watching a movie inherently has no social aspect. If you just want to watch a movie, that can be as lonely or as social as you want it to be. But I think most people can agree that a social, adding the social experience of movie watching is more fun than just watching it on your own. I don't uh, think that was the argument. And if you being try made. to argue against that, I will remind you that wasn't the two episodes ago, the first thing you were saying, yeah. Batman was good. Because the argu- <laughs> so, you're making the wrong argument. The argument. Me saying Batman is good, that's actually the argument, which is it's subjective. Someone else can go into Batman and say Batman was bad. That's fine. By making an argument about it, you are changing it from a lonesome, a solitary movie experience into a social experience, you know? That is the difference that we're getting here. And that's the difference between, like, your main Wordle and your Wordle clones. Your main Wordle, because it was the big one, because it was the first one, that is the one that you can build that social experience around. And while you can still have the social experience with the smaller ones, it's not as inherent. It's not okay, there as much. But here's the like, thing. for example, the best you the are best basing Wordle clone that I've played so far. The need for a social side. I play Wordle clones because they are more challenging and interesting to me, and I don't share the results because I don't give a shit. Sure. Very fair. And that's a fair. lot of people do give a shit though. And like for that me, that is my argument. 
for me, I actually like like after after getting it or not getting it. Um, sometimes friends and I'll be like, "Man, today's was really hard. I really I I did not get it. Like I got this letter, this letter, and then uh, nothing, and then I blew all of my chances, and I made this many mistakes." And like talking about it in the same way that you would play any other game is just inherently good engaging conversation if the other person cares to have the same like oh yeah I thought it was really like odd too but I lucked out with this one letter here or something like it's just it's good discussion it's the same thing as watching a movie yes you can consume it in any way what you want but if you want to have that discourse about it like you saying I liked Batman um and then telling us why you liked it Mm -hmm. that creates good conversation yeah, like that's you don't have to show your opinion, but you know when you do, it usually I share turns my opinion out to because be good. I'm on the podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> How did we get here? Here, let oh. me tell you this: if I okay, if we didn't have a podcast, I wouldn't be talking about whether Batman was good or bad to anybody because I don't care. <laughs> that's what it comes down to. But I'm happy to talk about it. We have gotten away from the original premise. By a long shot. So, so, I think, I really do feel like clone games, uh, I feel like a visual style isn't really enough to give them rights. At the same time, sometimes I feel like they can earn their own right to exist just through existing and maybe bringing some people together. That's, that's what I would say. That's what I would say as someone shamelessly making I think on a your end game. where you are <laughs> you are like making it and distributing it on like an amateur level that's fine I would argue that there is a different argument to be made when you are a professional organization that whose Makes interest money from it? is to make money from it Oh my god, so, could you imagine if EA came out tomorrow and was like I'm making a Peggle, Peggle 4 yeah. baby. Exactly. Like Call of Duty Peggle or whatever it is. Oh no. So there's my that's that's Peggle I'm going to put that duty. in that space. I don't want to talk about it, but there's absolutely a difference. All right, that's pretty fair. Yeah. That's pretty fair. <laughs> I think kind of like what you said I think it's when it's another company other than the original creator doing it that it might actually become a problem. Unlike subscriptions, which are always a problem. Oh, I am oh not boy. a fan of subscription anything. Uh, the only so, things I will subscribe to are my rent, my electricity bill, <laughs> and my cell phone bill. And, the, and my. All right. You know what? I agree with you on one of those three things. But otherwise, I am not much for any type of subscription. I don't really like MMOs. Don't really like uh, magazines or nope. uh, video game subscriptions, such as uh, game passes, for example. Season passes, not a huge fan. Anything else. I can't think of another subscription off the top of my head because I don't think about them very much because I don't like them. And I can't imagine anybody likes them. But we are slowly but surely sliding into subscription hell because 
Everything is a subscription everyone, now. Everyone wants to do a subscription. Uh, uh, do you uh, remember when you could just buy Photoshop? I was just about to say Adobe God. products. The Adobe suite of products. When they moved I will to a subscription, never Adobe. I basically said, I'm not using you anymore. That was the fastest way for me to go fully open source everything. Mm. Like I've played with so many artwork, digital painting apps that are free like, and open source. I understand to that. that when you use software and you buy software, it's not yours to keep in a sense. Like it's a licensed piece of, uh, you know, tool. Yes, or but item. you're buying an ongoing license, like right to use exactly. this piece of software. Uh, and I think that's still important because ownership. You know, you talk about IPs and ownership is important to an IP, but it's also important for your customer to feel like they are uh, effectively, quote unquote, owning it. Like they are Get, they getting are, their worth out of this. Exactly. They feel like they're not um, stressed to have to use the product over and over again to justify the cost, the ongoing cost, right? Like, well, that's, well, that's the thing, like, especially when it comes to video game subscriptions. Yeah, that's a huge it. psychological method of keeping people engaged. Yeah, because you're paying I, like, this much for it every month and you want it. to be able to keep, you know, yeah, like make it. it worth your while. I don't yeah. want to pay whatever it is for FF14 every month to yeah. just not have time to play it. And the reason why we're bringing this up is because there's two things of our The uh, standard subscription interest. for FF14 is $15 a month? Oh, that God hasn't damn. That hasn't gone up in a while, I'm surprised. I think that's I, I think, think that's, that's gone up since it cost too. It yeah. was, it was and, 11 uh, before quite frankly like that's on one hand if it is legitimately something that you spend two three four hours a day on go off have fun with that i'm not really going to judge you for that because that is a pretty good value overall i'm just saying i've i i've bought uh elden ring and i've got 60 hours in it so far mm-hmm. so uh i'm not that, that buying, is the i'm not paying argument. anything more for like, it like in that space there's better in values in that space there's a lot of great great games and they're all pay once games they could have microtransactions but no one forces you to get a microtransaction to play and enjoy the rest of the game i don't even like microtransactions but that is at least an argument that can be made where you buy base game for 40 bucks 50 bucks and then yes it has additional microtransactions that are like two to five dollars each or whatever the hell it is and then, but it's those microtransactions they add up. that require the daily thing that are really the insidious ones. Like if we if we take Genshin Impact for example, right. because it's a game that I'm very familiar with, mm-hmm. uh, you can buy a, an item called the Blessing of the Welkin Moon, and it's uh, like seven dollars yes. Canadian, uh-huh. and I can't remember. If, I I believe it lasts thirty or forty days, but the main thing about it is that every day you log in, you get like. 60% of a gotcha roll in, in the in the primo gems in the currency. So if you buy this thing, if you spend the seven dollars, you get a little bit of a thing up front. Yeah, you do. But the real value is by logging in every single day. And even if you don't play the game, you just have to open up the game, get to the point where you see your character, then you get the bonus. You can close it out at that point in time. Mm-hmm. But are you really going to? I'm just saying that's the, the point is to make people log in to make people play the game and it creates that artificial 
uh, need yeah need to, to play the game. But it is it is an inherently addictive sort of uh thing. And uh, I just want to point out, like the the original reason why we're talking about this is because software is a big one. Um, I'm going to touch really quickly on another piece of software, but then I'm going to talk about hardware. Software, we're talking about video games, obviously, a lot, um, because it's something that we all know very well. Um, neither of the other two play, but I used to play a lot of GTA V, especially the online portion. Just like it was my daily logon, I'd play, you know, maybe a couple hours, you know, screw around in a plane and just kind of do fun stuff. Now, there are microtransactions in that game. You still have to buy the game for like 50 bucks for the full game. And again, microtransactions to get digital currency using real currency, whatever. But there are ways around that or you can just play the game a lot. You don't have to buy the microtransactions. And that's kind of where we're at right now, normally speaking. But GTA V is a game that's been out for something like... Uh, more than eight years? years is that it's been out no, since uh, no, 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 it's no, been no. out since 2013 yeah sorry uh eight years and yeah. the original release was on xbox 360 and most people barely remember the 360 <laughs> nowadays because we've had like i don't know three console cycles since that did mm. you know that the launch of the super nintendo was closer to the launch of the PlayStation 3 than the launch of the PlayStation 3 is to now. Yeah. Wow. Great. Thanks for that. I hate it. Thanks. I didn't have to give you that psychic damage, but you're welcome. So That was five psychic damage for Angelo. With that knowledge, um, GTA Online right now is... For console, I believe it's for PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series like X slash S. They are introducing a subscription service now. After eight years of being released, you can be a GTA Plus member where I think you can still play base game, but by being part of the subscription, you're now, you're now just like getting regular benefits within the game so i looked this up and you get you get a little kickback right away yeah and you get certain discounts on in-game currencies Mm -hmm. and microtransactions Mm -hmm. but on top of it just like i was mentioning about genshin there are things where you have to log into the game go visit a dude Mm -hmm. in game Mm -hmm. monthly to get your thing otherwise you lose out so just like what genshin is doing to artificially make the incentive to log in. Mm. GTA 5 is making you pay for the right to be psychologically manipulated in the same way. And GTA Online, even before this quote-unquote service, uh, they were already making upwards of $2 million a day from GTA Online, from the microtransactions alone. I cannot tell you how much I hate console gaming on principle due to the things they do like this. We're talking PlayStation Plus. We're talking Game Pass. We're talking Nintendo Switch Online. 
any sort of these subscription services, which I have said many times before, and I will reiterate, and I need people to like, gamers rise up. Stop paying a game company to deliver online subscriptions for an internet service you already pay for to connect with other people in order to enjoy your games. Yeah. It's bullshit. It's just dumb. Yeah, that's why I never had like PS Plus or what was the Xbox equivalent? It was like their gold and silver Uh, something. Xbox gold. God, I don't even remember. Game Pass. I think that's what it was. Anyway. I have have used Game Pass because it was free. And that's the only reason I really wanted to use it. And it just, you, there are some exclusives on consoles. I understand that part. Play them, especially if they're single player and they don't have online subscription crap. But I swear to fucking God, we have to stop supporting this crap because GTA is a decade old almost. And then they said, I need to make more than $2 million a day for a game that was eight years old. So they introduced subscription. That sucks. Good God. What sucks more? Motherfucking Apple. Apple is doing the big dumb. They are, there are rumors, more than rumors, that they are trying to get or work around on a hardware subscription service for their iPhones. Okay. I, I feel like what this is doing, and correct me if I'm wrong on the terms of that hardware subscription, I feel like what it's doing is you're moving from I am paying off an item that I own to I pay to rent or lease this item, and like they can take this away from me at any given time. Not to mention, I have not actually read the articles around this. So, do you, so there's, have, have there's going to be two things to this. Two, do you know? I'm exactly going to tell you two things. It's for to this. iPhone specifically. I know that yes. much. I'm going to tell you two things to this where I have a huge problem. Number one, Apple is not a service provider. Um, they are. Are they not? No, you don't. When you're uh, if you don't have oh like oh who are you with? I'm like I'm on Telus. Uh, I'm on Shaw. I'm on Apple. Okay, so you mean ISP, or not ISP, um, a telecom service provider. Exactly. You know what happens when you go in to get in a new phone from your service provider? I mean, Angelo would know because he's done that part on the retail side many, many times. Ah, yes. You sell a phone bundled to a contract. That's already kind of like, mm, but I mean, it's sort of like telephones and, again, basic utilities, internet. It's in that range. But now you've got to be subscribed to the hardware portion from the actual hardware provider. Hate right. It. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. Here's, here's where this sounds like to me. Uh, they are basically removing the like payment plan portion of a device from, mm-hmm. let's say, TELUS, because you already mentioned TELUS. So if you sign up for a plan with TELUS, uh, and then sometime down the road you want a new phone, you can go to them and say, I want to buy this phone from you, mm-hmm. and I'm going to split up the payments for it over the course of two years, and mm-hmm. it gets tacked on to my usual monthly bill. That's how that works. Mm-hmm. It didn't used to, but that's how that works. So what they're doing now is they're offsetting that cost from TELUS and going directly to Apple. Mm-hmm. And I hate it. I hate it because it's basically a lease model. Yes. That is 
I think problematic, especially for people who in Canada, I don't know about the US, we can't talk about the US, in Canada for the longest time, and it's still pretty bad, the CRTC did not rein in things like contract length for your subscriptions. So now it's two years yes. max. Now it's two years. It used to go up to like five. Five. That you had to be tethered to a phone uh, and it's contract. Yes. For five years. Sucked. But yes. So I just skimmed through an article and there's so few details there's on what Apple is actually intending to do. Extremely I, few I will details. say that there's diff- There's also going to be a difference in how they're going to deploy in different markets. This is definitely a, an American thing first. But it will eventually get to us, Europe, Asia, it, like it, like if they continue. But the number two thing that I really hate, and it's definitely a way to circumvent very recent uh, uh, rulings against Apple and their uh, uh, you know method of distribution and and everything. This is definitely a way to try to circumvent right to repair. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but you are right. Basically, if your device stops working for any amount of time or for any reason, a lease. So, okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to the. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, the argument is. Yeah. Uh oh oh, people have the right to repair their own products. You say interesting. Let's tie their own own products. If they don't. Yes. And so that's where the lease model comes in, because when I read that, I was like, oh, so it's basically a lease model. So when you lease a car, Mm -hmm. you are paying a significantly smaller amount during the same kind of payment period than Mm -hmm. you would have to if you were actually buying the car out, right? The, The upsides that the dealership will always sell you on is that, oh... It's less money, so it's more affordable for, for new you. Car. We we take care of all of the maintenance, mm-hmm. and you get to have a new car every whatever years that you pay you sign on your lease. But don't put bumper stickers on it. Don't uh, change out the try to change out the the audio system. Don't do anything to that car. You the car is essentially a, a contract to use a car, which is like fine. Yeah, you don't own the car. Oh yeah, you own. The right to use, use, the, use car. the car, but but it's not your car. People that I know who lease a car versus owning the car. When you lease a vehicle and it's not yours, you don't care about taking care of it. You care about keeping it within the terms of your agreement. Mm-hmm. When you own a car, you baby the heck out of that thing. You take care of it. You mm-hmm. actually go and do things for it. It's just a really weird ownership mentality. And don't even get me started on the potential for, like, waste, electronic waste that this will probably introduce. Mm-hmm. Oh, a ton. But having that said now, what? how would Apple handle it if you smashed the phone or if you got the phone water damaged? You probably would, you would have to, to pay buy out, out the yep, phone. I think that would be it. I think you would have to pay because out the, the, the remaining costs. To my understanding, with uh, with Apple Care, even it doesn't cover things like uh, water damage or getting completely no. smashed. Usually, yes, you still have to pay are, like, a nominal fee. Those are warranty breaking things. Like they won't mm-hmm. service that if you've gotten it. Like if you dropped it in your bathtub or something. But like anything that they count under warranty, it's it's a like. What do they do? Do they just like now, swap you a new one? Do they? And they will sell you. In the case of like a, it will uh, sell you the those benefits as they would sell the lease of a vehicle 
they're like, oh, it's your car, or like it's your phone. You can use it. You can download all the same apps. You'll you even have like the benefit of uh, all the is it called like Genius Bar, whatever their tech shops they're, they're are. They're Apple geniuses, yeah. Yeah, something like that. And you know they're 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 gonna massage all of it to you. But the truth is is it's not your phone. It is not even close to being your phone. It could even technically depending on maybe jurisdictions and you know lots of lots of uh uh law wrangling uh language technically it could be less secure or less yeah i'm wondering about your privacy laws when when what you're doing is you're paying to use a phone that's not yours because for a long time and i i don't want to get too technical with this so i do apologize to viewers who don't find this very interesting but it is a concern and that's why we bring this up um there has been a long-standing battle between um, mo- a lot of telephone hardware companies such as like Apple, Google, Samsung, and law enforcement when it comes to subpoenas uh, of your personal cellular device and the information within. It goes, like, it's very intricate. It goes down to things like if your subject is in custody and they still have their phone and they unlock their phone at that moment, while they know that they're in custody, police might be given the right to just take your, the unlocked phone so that they can start browsing and grabbing the information that they need along with who knows what other information that they don't need, but they you know rather want it for you. I'm not trying to get into conspiracy theory crap. I'm just telling you this is sort of the stuff that they're concerned about. You know what? Privacy is a huge thing. You're right. On top of that, this is, this is a little bit more tinfoil hat. So right now, <laughs> uh, right now, as it is, for the most part, a iPhone. If you have a, an iPhone encrypted by, by uh, your biometrics or your password or whatever, mm-hmm. uh, right now, iPhones are actually pretty damn secure. Yes. In that if These you are all lose your iPhone generally. And, you re- and you remotely lose it, mm-hmm. not even Apple has the tools or the methods required to this unlock that iPhone. Yes. It is bricked. And quite frankly, as as anti-consumers, like a lot of what Apple does for the right to repair stuff is, a lot of it is for actual good security. Mm-hmm. So there's give and take there. Quite frankly, I think Apple is too far on the security side. But on the lease but model, they could absolutely on a lease model. Yeah, you might receive suddenly. That. It's not your phone. Suddenly, it's in Apple's favor. It is in their their direct uh, benefit. To make it so that Apple can break back into a phone. If a customer mm-hmm. turns a phone back in without signing out of iCloud or whatever the hell, Apple would need a way to wipe that out because that's their phone. That's not the customer's phone. That's their phone. At the same time, like law enforcement, suddenly they're not violating a person's rights by demanding access into a phone. Mm-hmm. No. They're they're subpoenaing a, company. a corporation. Yes. Which doesn't have the exact same rights. No. Even though corporations are people in It doesn't matter. There's a lot of different jurisdictional stuff. I don't want to get into all of the stuff. Because like, I don't know all of the stuff. A, but I know enough it's a little bit tinfoil to be concerned. Heady. Because but you, the have lease to, model. you have to be like that. We live in a weird time. We are the supposed lease to be model. very critical as consumers, yes. Yes. Would imply less privacy. It, it. I think by default it does. And I'm not saying that... They won't try and quote unquote fix it, but there has to be awareness first 
and an uproar to follow. Um, we're not necessarily the leaders of that, but these are things to think about. So next time you go in to buy your smartphone, try and do more research more than beyond what you're buying and versus what you're paying for, because those are two different things. Yep. It really is. Fun stuff. I did not think we were going to get into Reddit conspiracy theory <laughs> territory today. I mean, sometimes it's a little <laughs> fun to get into tinfoil hat territory, but oh, this so actually isn't fun. very far away from from conspiracy, especially with stuff. some of the privacy things that have happened recently in memory. I think that a tinfoil fedora is exceptionally stylish, and you guys cannot take it away from me. And you should wear one to Odafest this year. If it's no. part of a great cosplay, like the Silver yeah. Surfer who wears a fedora. A fedora, complete with silver beard. Very nice. No. <laughs> anyway, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us on our Twilight Zone Conspiracy Theory Corner. You guys all take care. See you next time. Bye-bye. Keep an eye.